Welcome to Anthropology of Girlhood, a girlhood podcast about red flags. I'm Alexa Ray Hack, a comedian and storyteller, and I use she, her pronouns. My name is Micah Silvern. I'm a child care provider, and I use they, them pronouns. This week is the second installment in our Catherine Hardwick series where we're talking about 2008's Twilight based on the inexplicably popular book series. Um, and please do not watch Don't this watch movie. Don't watch this movie. It is so bad. Especially for the way that we watch movies. This is so incredibly painful. I can't believe I loved this movie so much. It's bad. It's so bad. If you've been living under a rock since 2008, Twilight's whole plot is pretty much girl falls in love with a vampire. The original. There's not really and, much else yeah, there. that's it. That's that all that vampire happens. vampire fights other vampires. And... For like five minutes. Yeah. It's really nothing. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Anthro267. Subscribe to the Patreon at patreon.com slash Anthro267. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And as always, thank you and enjoy. This movie just like... I was like giddy high reading it because I was just so like, I just like it. all of the emotion from when I was a teenager came back. Was like, like, yeah. I just like felt it and I was like, this is so stupid. This is such a bad book. It shouldn't make me this happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's just that nostalgia, right? It, right. Just like it gives you that feeling again like when you were a kid. Oh, I wonder I should revisit some of the fantasy books I read as a kid. I'm thinking of in particular the Shannara series that okay. I read which is like so clearly just like a Lord of the Rings ripoff. Nice. It's like we love that. Literally a wizard comes to the village of like small folks and gives them a magical trinket that they then have to join up with a group of other adventurers to destroy. Wow. It's wow. like a hundred percent of Lord of the Rings. I was expecting like a Harry Potter Star Wars kind of comparison, but that is like word for word Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Yeah, word for word. It's perfect. Yeah. Um, Man, you should. But also, yeah, anyway, never mind. Never mind. Are you sure? Yeah, it's fine. We don't have to talk about the weird fantasy books I read. (laughs) It's okay. I can do this on my own time. (laughs) But like this movie and these books are so quintessentially my girlhood. Yeah, totally. Like, because like, oh man. The movie came out in 2008 when I was going into eighth grade. Um, yeah. I, so like I was like 12, 13. Uh, I got introduced to them while at summer camp. Oh. One of my friends was really excited because the movie was coming out. And she was like, here, borrow my copy of the book while you're here at camp. I read it in two days. Wow. I was like hooked. So she ended up having the entire series with her. So I think I read the first three books. At camp? At camp within like two weeks. Aren't those books huge? They're not terrible. They're like they're they're significant. They're not small. (laughs) Um they're not small, but I wouldn't like they're not Harry Potter either. Right. Yeah. Um, They're not they're no uh Song of Ice and Fire. No, which are like eight hundred thousand page books. So I reread the book for the podcast. Obviously I had to. Um You really took a bullet. I appreciate that. I was not gonna do it. They're not really 
detailed books. Yeah. So they're pretty easy to read. Right. Because you don't have to pay. You could kind of skip through them. Yeah. Like I definitely like skimmed through a couple chapters. Yeah. uh, Especially near the end because I remember what happened and was like, I don't need to read these terrible details. This is not a great piece of literature. Yeah. So I think part of my transness and part of my neurodivergency, I feel like this is a universal experience that a lot of us think there's something different. Like we can feel that we're different. And right. a lot of us think like, Oh, we're magic or, or we're aliens, aliens or, or we're yeah, adopted or something, you know, something you don't fit. I was so steeped in that feeling and like having a character who was like, I don't really have any connection to the outside world and I don't feel very special could become like, obsessed over and like was so eye-opening for me to be like see there's hope but because of the lessons learned in said book it turned out to be a very dangerous situation yeah um but yeah they're not great i think half of my notes are just why is this written this way (laughs) Um, like why would you make this choice why why did you make this choice and like or a lot of it just screaming, it's because they have no character, therefore you cannot make judgments. Right. Like, I <laughs> I did when I was a teenager, so there was there's obviously something there, but I don't give a fuck about any of these characters. Yeah, they're so boring. They're I'm glad you said so that. They're so boring. Because I thought, it was, I thought it was just me. I was like, am I supposed to care about, like, literally the only person I care about in this movie is Jacob. Yeah, I, Charlie is mine, but... Yeah, but even he's, like, he's in, like, five, eight minutes of this movie, maybe? See, I read Charlie as an autistic father, so, like, I... Right? Okay, I guess. Especially if you, as you, we have discussed a little bit, read it as, like, Bella is autistic Bella or, definitely, or ADHD yeah, or something. Yeah, Bella could definitely have some, somewhere. like, neurodivergence going on, and I think it would explain a lot. Um, and like as an reading it as an adult now who is now diagnosed with ADHD being like, oh, this is what I connected to as a kid because I do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I think is one of those. The author didn't mean for it to pop up, but it popped up. Yeah. We've been talking about this like authors like telling on themselves without knowing it. And Stephanie Meyer writes a whole fucking series about herself. Yeah. And it is. Are you okay? <laughs> I'm really genuinely worried. Are you okay? I mean, she's Mormon, so no, she's not okay. No, that's true. She's really not. I just, oh. This book I, is this not subtle. Is, this movie is very strongly informed by Christianity. Oh, heavily. Like, it's worryingly Christian. I would consider it almost propaganda. <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like it belongs on God it, Apple it movies. Totally, it's like, literally, like, one scene where they tell her the importance of the Bible and this is a Christian movie. Right. Like, because like, it's so chaste. There's one kiss and there's all this like, you know, like patriarchy, like bullshit in it. It's so so bad. It's, and I mean this, This movie's relationship around sex and this series relationship around sex is so puritanical. It is not even funny. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty bad. It's awful. Like, it seems almost irresponsible of how bad it is and how it got so obsessed by teens, which like, sure, worse things could have happened than teens being less 
sexually charged with each other. Fine. I, yeah. Right. I mean, we were just talking about Harry Potter, which is a series that's like pro fascist and pro racist. Right. Exactly. So, like, like things could, could be worse. worse. But, like, also the shame and bullshit that it adds to the conversation is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. It's, it's so gross. Like, we talk about all the time how toxic that abstinence only stuff is like it's so unhelpful and it's so counterproductive it's like yeah so irresponsible that we keep giving this message yeah and like (laughs) i I mean it's not a subtle story and like as a series it is not subtle and because like you said like there's one kiss in this movie there's maybe three in the book And the one time I remember in the series that Bella and Edward actually have sex, one, she walks away covered in bruises, which is problematic all on its own. Yeah. Um, And two, she gets pregnant from like a parasitic baby. Yeah. Which like... Okay, so let's take her life. We need to we need to talk about like, let's take those things in order. Right. Like, first of all, how many of us were led to believe that like sex was necessarily painful or unpleasant. Oh my god, as yes. a femme person. Absolutely. When like there's absolutely no reason that it should be. It's just you need a partner who is like kind and aware of your needs and able to take feedback, which right. doesn't happen when you date men. Men, no. <laughs> Frankly. It's I, just a little bit of patience yeah. goes a long way. Yeah. I. <laughs> anyway, we don't have to talk about sex necessarily on this episode, but yeah. But yeah, anyway. like, and like the way that Edward lusts after Bella in this like hungry, uncontrollable way is so disgusting. And yeah. to have it be so animalistic and him having like this constant threat of him having to control his urges around her. Yeah. Because is it such a goddamn stupid message to send to people? Yeah, it's so gross. And it reinforces that like men are animals and women are prey right. for them to feast on. Like it's it's really bad. And then and, like I kept having this struggle through this movie. I'm sorry to No, go for I, it. I kept having this struggle where I feel like, well, it's a vampire movie. He's a vampire. Like, of course he's bad. He's a vampire. Right. But, like, Bella falls in love with him, and he keeps being terrible and keeps giving her red flags, and she keeps being into it. So it's like you can't really give it that credit for being a vampire movie when she keeps opting in to all this terrible behavior. Yeah. I think a good third of my notes is just a little red flag emoji. Right? Of just going like there's this. There's a red flag. There's a red, a red flag. flag. Yeah, here's a red flag. It's bad. It's so bad. And a horrible story device. Like, why not have your character have that redemption arc, which you so clearly are trying to write and did so poorly. Right. Because, like, a lot of it boils down to really lazy storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. And so because you don't have the literary chops to hide your metaphors, they just lay out for everyone to fucking see. Yeah. And it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's like, it's so clear that she's not 
a very good or conscious author. Like I haven't really read this book, but even the movie has the feeling like this feels like fan fiction. It totally does. Feels like some Harry Potter fan fiction that I read in high school because a friend wrote it. Let's be real. I've read way better fan fiction than yeah, this I've, too. That's exactly it, right? It's like like this is not even good fan it's fiction. Not even good fan fiction. Like her whole concept of vampires, I also feel like isn't fully thought out great, and it's like not a new take on vampires. Yeah, the only unique thing is that they sparkle. Yeah, which, which feels stupid. Really it also dumb. Feels I feel like, like it undoes a lot of the weaknesses of vampires, right? Like it feels like the thing about vampires is that while they are incredibly powerful and incredibly terrifying, you can avoid them by just being out during the day. Right. Right. Like they're sort of a parable about like, well, honestly they are a little bit generally like a parable about how dangerous men are, right? right? That you need to like be wary after dark because there are predators. Um, but yeah, it feels like to be able to go out in the sunlight, like sure you sparkle, but like you, that's nothing. Who, who cares? Who cares? You could be at pride. Right. Exactly. I really am into glitter highlight. I don't right. whatever. It could be whatever. And like, it does feel like she just like made up a perfect monster, like a perfect non-sexual sex object monster. Yeah, she definitely I you know like Edward may as well be like a blow up doll but the amounts of time but without but, but without sex but like with no sex organs right I actually this comparison makes a lot more sense if you think about it the amount of times in the book she describes Edward as like a Greek god statue yeah is a statue or a tapestry or a painting like he's not a man he's like this level like it's definitely she's got those rose tinted glasses like big baby doll eyes for him and which our narcissists are really good at creating yeah uh, you know uh well especially because he's like constantly like gassing her up in a way that's like love bombing a yeah little bit. it is it's, love bombing it's bad it's bad and like i just can't stop thinking about you it's oh. like hey dude i have a life you are my life you now. cannot watch me sleep no so also this movie i didn't realize until the last like the very end of this movie this movie takes place over like a month yeah maybe six weeks yeah like she moves in march it's explicitly called out that it's march and then it ends at prom. The book takes a little bit longer. She comes in like November or like December, I think. Because I there's like a point where she's like, I'd spend six weeks and we haven't spoken or something. Yeah. But like it takes like two months. But like she's in love with him in five minutes. Yeah. Immediately. It's so, oh, like as an adult, I can see where my teenage brain went. Like, yeah, that makes sense. Because like my brain does the same thing and like having to unlearn that as an adult and be like, calm down, take your goddamn time. Yeah. Um, but like 
it's the love at first sight bullshit that you just like instantly know. And it's like, yeah. no, that's not that's how not relationships how it happens. And like, yeah, it's just a bad message to send about how love happens and how it very often grows slowly over a long period of time. It's lust. You can talk about how it's lust. Yeah, it's okay. That it it's so totally reads as a teenager who doesn't know the difference between love and lust. Like you're obviously horny, but your Christianity doesn't allow you to express that in any way. And so you have to make it romantic where it doesn't actually have the depth of a romantic relationship. Yup. Nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This movie like makes me so ridiculously mad. And I mostly am angry because I let this whole series do so much damage, which is, it is not a good enough book to do, which yeah is ridiculous. And it, I'm like, you are not alone. No, certainly. I am like, not. Lots of, there... of them people around your age. And I mean, lots of folks around your age probably, you know, this series was huge. Yeah. It was so big. And it is like, filled with so many horrible messages that like were aimed at people like 12 13 who are like their whole job is to internalize those messages yeah exactly and it just like seeped so much bullshit into the society and into like i remember the way that my friends and i would talk about boys was troublesome yeah because we weren't taught how to channel our our hormones and channel our sex drive at 13 you know you're just told shove it down it doesn't exist right in the same way that that boys are definitely encouraged to experiment that way and it's like yeah i i just always think like who do you want young boys to experiment with if not women right like each other right because you don't want that either because that's what happens though i mm, anyway do you want to talk about how amazing the soundtrack is because i love it yeah i you obviously have like an emotional attachment to it i like barely noticed it except that i recognized some of the bands but yeah i because i was obsessed with this movie and this series i bought the soundtrack like Right after the movie came out, because it it was still in the days of CDs and you like it was it was lovely. Um, But I don't know. I think I love the soundtrack so much because it like it's full of nostalgia for me. Totally. And it like especially with like artists like Paramore and Muse and Linkin Park, like that was so quintessential. Like the early 2000s sound. Yeah. Yeah. And it just like brings me back every time like i've been listening to the soundtrack while i've been reading the book and it's so it's just like it also like i don't know if it informed my impression of the pnw or if it is a real connection but the soundtrack gives me the same vibes as walking through the olympics yeah which like is one of my favorite feelings in the world yeah so like having a a little bit of attachment to that now that we're not close anymore this movie yeah like screams olympic peninsula and it made me (laughs) me miss the pacific northwest so bad i miss moss so sad yeah there's moss and it's green everywhere apparently a lot of this is actually shot in portland that makes sense. but whatever it's fine like it's still come, the PNW. Come for me but those cities are like pretty much interchangeable yeah 
Forks is nothing. Yeah, and forks, saw, and forks is nothing. Like I, we've been there a few times, and it's, it's literally nothing. like you one of those blink and you miss it towns. Yeah, we. I think we drove past it like three times before we realized what it was. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, I. This movie is what made me fall in love with the PNW and want to move out there. Totally, I could see that. And, and it like, even feels like it's got the color. It got the color, it's like green right? green and blue all the time. And like the Olympic Peninsula is probably my favorite place on the earth. Yeah. And I best best uh national park hands down. Hands down. And I was so excited to see that like there's the scene where he takes her to the top of a tree to like look over Lake Crescent. Oh, and I was yeah. like, Oh, Lake I, Crescent. I miss it so much. I'm going back someday soon. I can feel it. I just miss, oh, oh the PNW. Wow, so I'm like pretty. legitimately getting I misty. Know. But like, I, I think this movie helped kind of create that feeling. But the Olympic Peninsula is the magical f- enchanted forest of my dreams. Yeah. And it feels like it. And I think for all of her terrible decisions, having a vampire movie set in this place was so good. Yeah. It's like it the fits perfect, the vibe. so perfect. I do want the Cullen's house. Yeah. That like giant glass house in the middle of the forest. Yeah. <sighs> I would it's love. It's beautiful. It's stunning. And of course they're rich. They've been around for hundreds of years. Yeah. But also. Like. Yeah. Vampires have always been an allegory for the rich. Right. Right? Like who else sucks your blood? Uh the original Bram Stoker's Dracula, the whole reason he shows up is to buy real estate. Interesting. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. So vampires have always been rich. Because like that's who gets to live forever and stay young and look beautiful. Right. Out of the efforts of other people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The, the rich are vampires. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the rich are absolutely vampires. That's why leeches is such a good comparison. Yeah. So I, maybe this is just a me thing, but I would love a bad looking poor, uh, like monster at some point. Right. I feel like they're all rich and pretty. Bring and, back ugly monsters. Right. I'm a fan of ugly monsters. Like I get the whole trend was you want to fuck a monster why i don't know do you want to fuck a monster i mean it's, it's still a thing i don't think i want to fuck a monster no i don't think uh maybe this is a hot take i don't think there are any monstrous creatures that i really want to fuck that's mermaid maybe but <laughs> even like that's on thin ice i don't really whatever yeah i i don't i don't understand you want to fuck a wolf man <laughs> I mean, do you want to f- no. fuck a mummy? No. Wasn't there a? I feel there like... was a zombie one too, right? There was a. What was it called? I don't remember. But there, this was that was like a whole trend that happened. Yeah. Because of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And these books was like the sexy monster. Like he probably wants to eat you, and that's what makes it hot. Okay, now that I say it out loud. <laughs> Now that I voice that out loud, I'm like, okay, well, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I feel Touché. Like, All right. I feel like this book created a lot more kinky people than she realized it was yeah. going to. Yeah, well, I mean, of course, it spawned the Fifty Shades of Grey fan fiction. Of course right? it did. So, which is also like weirdly chased despite its content. Its content. Yeah. Which is very strange. Which, again, like this movie, it's like it feels so 
sexual and yet there's no sex in it. <laughs> this movie is the sexiest, unsexiest movie yeah. I've ever seen. Because like, and I bet you, I bet you it was a battle of Kristen Hardwick actually having control over her film and Stephanie Myers standing over her shoulder. I mean, it sounds like a lot of it from what I read, a lot of it was just staying true to the book. Oh, that's fair. Um, and I think they very much knew that this was like a fan service movie made for people who read the books because those books were so popular. Fair, fair. So I think they made the correct commercial decision. Probably. To stick as close to the terrible book as they could. Like, this is a, a well-made it's movie. It's a gorgeous movie. It looks beautiful and it very much has Catherine Hardwick's like sort of swoopy hand cam, heavily filtered style to it. Yeah, it absolutely does. It conveys its like feelings very well. It's, it's just, just got terrible source material. Yeah, it's got awful source material. And like I remember being mad that like their performances weren't big enough or like they didn't read yeah. well, but there's nothing in the books. They don't have a personality right. in the books either. That was the whole thing that made me mad. The whole movie was just that like none of the actors are doing anything. Like everybody is so flat and lifeless. Haha, ha, for lack of a better term, like everybody is so <laughs> wooden throughout this whole movie that it's like it feels impossible to care about anyone. The only people I care about in this movie are Anna Kendrick and uh, Taylor Lautner. Like the, the only actors who I feel like are giving they gave a performance. Anything. Yeah, the, everyone else is just like standing here. It feels like a high school production. Mouth agape, reading their lines. Yeah, it does feels like a high school like stage production. Yeah, where like three of the actors didn't get off book until like two weeks ago. Yeah, and they're I... still like just barely remembering everything. <sighs> I love all the swoopy hand cam stuff. Like yeah. it's so, like especially compared to thirteen, it's so Catherine Hardwick. Yeah. And I really did not appreciate that as a kid. And I was really glad I got to this time. Yeah, I definitely feel like this treatment of her movies going through them in order like this really adds a level of appreciation to all of the movies that I wouldn't have had before. Yeah, I like, you know, the special effects are 2008. Right. You know, they are what they are. Yeah. Um, But like... For what it is, it is absolutely gorgeous and it's well shot. And like, like the big fight at the end in the dance studio was fucking gorgeous. Yeah. And like so dynamic and really well filmed. And like, I think I watched the scene twice just to like watch the camera work the second time yeah. through. And like, it's so well thought out and like all of the shots are really purposeful and like have a good like she took the time to like really understand the story and like get the feel of the pacific northwest and like have the right like to create the right vibe throughout the entire film yeah you can definitely tell that she is like from a designer background yeah absolutely it has very much like a full feel and vibe to it um, that's like very consistent throughout too. Yeah. And I think that's why I like the soundtrack as well is cause like it adds to that vibe and like makes me think of that vibe now. Yeah. Why does everybody in this movie, when Bella shows up at school, everyone treats her like she's the most beautiful, most interesting person they've ever met. 
And like she's not. She's nothing. She doesn't even have like it's not even like she has interests. She's not a cheerleader. She doesn't play a sport. Like she's not good at anything. Like I don't understand. It's- Bella Swan screams nice guy to me. Oh God. And like is that like just like congratulate me for existing? Not quite. I feel like I guess it's more uh it's that like, oh, I'm not good enough for anything. I'm not, you know, convince me I'm worth something. Yeah. Which like but like in that pandering, like, look at me how sad I am. Yeah. Kind of it's just like the lack of personality and lack of like any connection to the world yeah. is really like why is she interesting? Right. What? Why what, do I care about why her? Why do I care about her? Like, why would I want to read all of these thousands of pages of books about a character with no personality? And like, what does that sound fun? What new student ever walks through the door as the new popular kid? No, never. Never. Like, especially in a high school, like, it'll be like, oh, look, there's the new kid. But that's right. it. You're not like the coolest person like unless the kid like is good at a sport or an activity or something right and then they gain some sort of notoriety through that like that's the only time i've ever seen it happen right but yeah i don't understand where this comes from i think again it has that kind of like self-insert fan fiction thing of like i just want to make a character that's like me and then have everyone tell me how amazing i am yeah which (laughs) It's like, again, like, just don't publish your fan fiction. Right. Just put it on Archive of Our Own or whatever. Fucking fanfic.net is still up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, shit. That's still running. Oh, Jesus. <sighs> Do we want to talk about how Edward Cullen is a narcissist and how that set up a bunch of girls to <sighs> get fucked over? Yeah. I got to. There's so, so much of my notes is about how, like, terrible he is and how he throws out red flags left and right yeah one of my first notes about it is i'm glad we start this relationship off with gaslighting that's literally the exact quote in my notes amazing fantastic because yeah like the the fucking mood swing of like i'm disgusted by you now i want to be friends yeah and then the like The constantly lying to her about like, oh, that didn't happen. Yeah, like the straight up lying to her about the car crash and being like, you didn't know what you saw. Right. Not even like trying to come up with like a, oh, oh." later he says it was adrenaline. But I mean, at least that would be like a more plausible lie. Than who's going to believe you. Right. Who's going to believe you? Like if if anyone ever says who's gonna believe you you can never talk to that person ever you should again. never talk to that person again that is red flag number one yeah and then he like the watching her sleep even before they were dating because she says it's like super it's like 20 or 30 minutes into this movie she says that she dreamed about him after she woke up and saw him in her room yeah in Right? Yeah, Him and he admits he admits to watching her sleep for months. Yeah, it's that's fucking terrifying. Like you need a restraining order from this dude, not a relationship. <laughs> he broke into your house, Jesus Christ, and watched you while you were vulnerable. Yeah, and he knew he could kill you. Right, and like later he talks about how like he's intoxicated by her smell. You're my own brand of heroin is the quote, one of the quotes that I was just like, that in itself is a red flag. 
you yeah. you are a person you are not someone's drug yeah you are a whole ass person and you deserve to be loved as a whole ass person yeah it's again it's like do you know you're telling on yourself do you know how bad your ideas about romantic relationships i'm so are? worried about you stephanie meyer <laughs> i'm so, so worried, worried. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, like, we've got the gaslighting. We've got the creepy. Well, and then there's all the, like, the, like, you should be attracted to me because I'm evil and violent. Right? Like, right. though, you shouldn't be friends with me, but I'm going to keep pre- trying to be friends with you. Right. I'm going to keep stalking you, but also you shouldn't, you shouldn't be anywhere near me because I will murder you. And I'm just going to constantly remind you about how much I want to drink your blood. Which is like, again, is an abuser thing of like, don't forget, I'll hurt you. Like, yeah, don't forget, no one will believe you. constant. The like, you're a fragile human being who could die at any moment. Yeah. And it's absolutely just like, it feel like these series unfortunately set template for people that I started looking to date, which totally. I'm sure is not an uncommon occurrence. I'm sure. Um, so like, as someone with a little bit of experience, that like, staying on like you can't relax around someone who says that yeah you can't like how could you possibly how could you and like you start like with a lot of abuser tactics especially emotional abuse like the more you hear it the more you believe it and the more you start embodying it so like you don't protect yourself you don't think you can fight back you don't think you can walk away and yeah, because you've just like internalized all these messages about how like worthless and weak you are, and like he and goes, how no one you have no one to turn to, right? And he goes back and forth, which a lot of narcissists do, unfortunately, of this like you're weak and breakable, and I could destroy you, but also I am so addicted to you. You're the only thing I think about. Yeah, it's love bombing. He's yeah, love bombing her. Yeah, and it's like, but the and the rapid change back and forth that he does. Yeah, is, the hot and cold is it's so bad. It's so bad, and again, are so many red flags that I know to look for now because like I've looked past them and yeah. have found out what it happens. Right, and it's like everything that she loves about him is a red flag. Yeah, and it is disturbing. It's upsetting. I also have that like this trope of like. Men being valorous because they protect a woman who didn't ask for it is also just like so bad and disgusting. Like men, we wouldn't need you to protect us if men weren't horrible. You only ever have to protect women from other men. Men are the problem. Deal with your own fucking house. You don't get a cookie for being a decent person. Right. And, like, also, like, why is violence always men's, like, bar for quality? They're like, well, I'm, uh, you know, I would defend, I, you know, if my wife was attacked, I would defend, I would do it. It's like, hey, maybe you should fantasize about being able to de-escalate the situation and teach the other person about, like, having empathy and treating other people like people yeah and not just like bashing brains in because we know you all just fantasize about murder all the time constantly it's scary yeah it's really it's scary. terrifying and like the bar that you set like the amount of stories and experiences that have been shared by femmes of like men just turning to them and going like well at least i didn't rape you is disgusting yeah it's fucking horrible like why is that your example why is that Right. The go-to. It's always violence. Right. It's always, well, I could hurt you if I wanted to. 
why, why? Why? Why would you even bring that up? Like, yeah. It's disgusting. And this movie is filled with it. And it is yeah. like, it's like half his dialogue is just, I want to and can kill you. Right. And also like, we can't be intimate because I won't be able to not hurt you. I can't lose control around you. Yeah. Which is disgusting. You are one, not like if you can't be yourself around someone, you shouldn't you be can't dating be them. around them. Like be yourself. Don't ever hold people. Like don't hide things from people. And then like the one time that they kiss, of course he like can't control himself and he has to like throw himself off of her so that he doesn't murder her. Like what the fuck kind of message is this? So, super hot take. Probably not, but Rosalie is right and he should not be dating a human. Like, it is so... I am on Rosalie's side of all of this. It's so crazy. Rosalie, by the way, played by our friend Nikki Reed. Hey-o! Catherine Hardwick uh, staple, Nikki Reed. Um, But yeah, like, it's so ridiculous. You should only ever date other vampires. Like... Even if it wasn't for the sex and intimacy thing, like... For safety reasons. Yeah. And you're always going to have... Shared experience. Different life, like, time schedules, because you can't go out in the sun. And, like, obviously they disappear somewhere in the summer. Right. When it's sunny, like... Because it is the PNW, but it is still sunny in the summer. It does still get sunny in the summer. And, like, throwing your family's life in risk... Because you think a girl is pretty. Because of your dick, yeah. Is so 17-year-old boy. Yeah. It is so annoying. And it's not romantic. No. You should walk away from him because he obviously doesn't know what priorities are. Right. Yeah, you can't prioritize your romantic relationships. Especially, I mean, not when you're a teenager, right? Like in your romantic youth... Yeah, you just can't prioritize your dick over, like, your family's safety. That's no. insane. And, like, especially with the way, at least in the book, Edward so clearly idolizes Carlisle as a father figure. Yeah. And, like, definitely, again, the movie completely cut out a bunch of good relationships shit because it's so flat and you can't fit it in. Um, but, like, Carlisle actually had a personality, a li- as little as it was, yeah. you know. Um, but, like... And that relationship, like, they showed it in the book, you can tell that the family relationships are important. And it's yeah. not just we live together out of convenience, that it's an actual family that the movie doesn't really put stakes on very yeah, well. I didn't feel that at all. It kind of felt like, in the movie, it kind of felt like all the family characters were just extraneous and yeah. there to tell the fans that they didn't forget about them. Yeah. Which is whatever. But like in the book, the family stakes are a lot more understandable. And like they do like the way that his family protects Bella so easily and so quickly, which is like seems insane. It seems insane. But like look at like the links your family is willing to go for you. Yeah. And your happiness. Why couldn't you do the same fucking thing? Right. They wouldn't have to all put themselves out if you had just thought of them in the first place. Yeah. And even if you can't think of your family like. Also, you know that Bella is intoxicating to your family as well. So you're putting her at risk also. Yeah. So you're like double wrong. Yeah. You're like super duper wrong and like definitely should not be dating a human. It is a bad idea. Not to mention the fact that she is 90 years younger than you. Right. Like 
I don't care that you're stuck at looking like 17. You, you are, are 90 years old. You are 108 years old. He was born in 1901. Right. So 108 years old. You don't, that life experience is not nothing. Yeah. Like you've been around forever. You probably have, you should, you should only date other vampires for exactly that reason. Like no one can have a comparable experience. No one has experienced the entirety of the 20th century. No. And like, Jesus. And it's still in high school. <laughs> it's so creepy. So, so creepy. creepy. Like, there was this quote in the book that just goes, Jacob's not much younger than I am, I reminded him. He looked at me and then in his anger abruptly fading. Oh, I know, he said. <laughs> Which is like, creepy. Don't. Yeah, weird. You don't want to date a baby. That's not fun. Yeah. That's not okay. Right. God, uh, yeah, it's fucking gross. And again, like, these messages like this just, like, reinforce this sexualizing of children yeah rather than like adult women yeah yeah it's gross and it's really really disgusting that our whole western beauty standards are based on a child's body on the children yeah which oh gross yeah gross it's, disgusting. it's so gross um but that could be a whole nother podcast yep Bella has this complex that I feel like really trickled into a lot of uh, femmes that that watch this, which is the I can see the good in you and I can fix you. Yeah, the I can fix you thing is so bad. The Yeah, the like, I don't care what you've done. I can see you're good and you, I trust you is especially, such bullshit. Especially with men who don't deserve it. Right. Like, it's one thing if you have a partner... Who's you meet someone who's going through something or you meet someone and they go through something and they are genuinely like a loving and giving partner. And you're like, okay, I want to help you fix this. I want to help you get through this. Like that's a different situation than just like going out with a man who is like obviously horrible and way too old for you. And then just being like, well, I'll make it better because... He's women, not f- women are just supposed to like fix everything for men because they're baby children. I can ignore all of his red flags that he's mean to other people because he's not mean to me. Uh, that's another one yeah, that is like, bad. like, he, at least in the book, he is like overly protective and overly quick to anger when other people come into the picture yeah. and is so possessive of her. It's so gross. That's really gross. And yeah. like, again, especially when you compound that with the animalistic urge to consume you. Yeah. Is like, <laughs> this is a terrible comparison, but it's the thing that I, it's the thing that made me think of. It really reminds me of Charlie when she gets angry over her food. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, she, uh, yeah, food possessiveness in a dog. Yeah, right, totally. Like, you you can't have it. It's I, mine. It's mine. Right. I'm, I'm gonna, eating this. I This is mine. Back the fuck off. <laughs> yeah, it's really gross. Like, people are not food. They're not objects to be defended. No. They're human beings with, like, their own will and thoughts and feelings yeah it's what a revolutionary concept Uh, the scene that i really think like 
illustrates how big of a red flag Edward should have been read as is when he quote unquote saves her from the guys in the alleyway and is like talk me down from going back and hurting them right which is like that's not okay right again it gets back to that thing about like how men just like fantasize and crave violence all the time and are expect yeah in this case expecting women to like restrain them and keep them from constantly like being violent upon each other yeah and they call us the fucking irrational ones right we are not the irrational ones at all i don't fantasize about violence no i do not at all can we talk about uh charlie swan we should totally talk about charlie swan i love charlie swan i just think like as much as he's only in like five or ten minutes of this movie like He's really a great dad. He's and it a fantastic sucks that he dad. can't be around more because he's always working. And it double sucks that he's a fucking cop. <laughs> I know, because um, all cops means all cops, even yeah, Charlie Swan. Even Charlie Swan, yeah. Um, I feel like the one character that got everything they could out of the book was Charlie. Right. I feel like he's like the best translation from book to screen. Yeah. I think it's so adorable. Like, especially like even Charlie has more interest than Bella does. Yeah. Which is terrifying because yeah. Charlie's a nothing person. Yeah. He's like I said, he's barely in this movie and he has more personality than Bella by half. It's. Why? Why is your main character so flat? Like so nothing. Like, I guess it's probably in the book. She's kind of that way, too. Oh, but, yeah. She. But why? Don't do that. <laughs> like, why would you not? Why would you write a boring character when you could choose literally anything else? You literally all you had to do was try. Just try. Why would you not just try? Do your goddamn job. Right. 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 Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Because I just wanted to say Charlie's such a good example of like non-toxic masculinity like yeah he is he truly just wants to like look out for and provide for everyone and he's not precious about it he's not defensive he doesn't like threaten violence at anyone at any point it's just like if you need me i'm here for you and like even when bella is running off with edward i don't know why i keep wanting to call him edgar <laughs> Honestly, running. he should have gone by Teddy by now. <laughs> like he, as, when she's running off at the end, he's like, look, just think about it. And if you still want to do it in the morning, I'll take you to the airport. Right. Like, I will get you on a plane. I just want you to make sure you're making a rational decision. Right. Amazing. Fantastic Great parenting. Work. A plus. Like, that's got to be hard to hear. And you are keeping your cool and like. And then when all the violence stuff starts happening, like when people start getting attacked by vampires, at no point does he like try and shield her from it or be like, you can't know about this. He's like look, here's what happened. Here's what we're thinking. Like, please carry this pepper spray with right, you. Exactly. Like, great. I love Charlie Swan because I feel like he handles his shit better than anyone else in this book or yeah, movie. He's the most composed. And I, rem I remember him being the only rational one, like through the entire series. <laughs> He's like, hey, everybody, let's just stop and think about this for five minutes. No, no, we're 17. We can't think about anything. Can't stop. Won't stop. 
Right, because Bella's supposed to be like... She's 17. 17, yeah. Yeah, because I remember her getting mad that she's allowed to turn 18 before he turns her into a vampire. Oh, oh yeah, because I had this thing about, of course, at the end, when he's given the opportunity to turn her, like, of course he can't turn her, because then she'd be just as strong as him, and she wouldn't need him to protect... Wouldn't need him to protect her anymore. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Of course. Keep her weak and Exactly. You have to keep her weak so that she needs you. Which is again like absolutely abuser shit. That is abuser shit. Oh my god, I didn't even put that together. Yeah, it's really Whoa. bad. Because he won't. He won't turn her. He purposely like goes out of his way. And then he frames it as it's for your benefit. But it's I, not. It's for his benefit. It is for his benefit. And, oh, I didn't even think of that. Yikes, man. Because he got turned when he was 17. Yikes. Yeah, he was also dying. That's true. Yeah. And but still. Or like, an orphan. Yeah. Well, whatever. Because Carlisle is. I, I like. Carlisle is trouble. I, I have complicated feelings about this whole, like, saving people's lives by keeping them alive forever as vampires thing. It's yeah. Yeah. Troubling. It, it's. It doesn't. It feels manipulative. Yeah, it does. It feels real manipulative. Feels pretty manipulative. But I mean, he's maybe he's yeah he's the uh, the Uber abuser creating new abusers. I don't know. I I don't know. It's just a it's just a hypothesis. Because like I feel like at least in the book, Carlisle. Yeah, he see, he actually seems like a pretty good. He's like. In the book, they give like his whole backstory and he comes from, he was born in the 1630s, 1640s, somewhere wow. in there, um, to a preacher father. Oh, okay. Uh, and like, so very much grew up with, and then got turned into a vampire after being a vampire hunter for his father because his father saw evil everywhere. Okay. So, you know, a little bit of self-hatred. Sure, sure. Which like, you can see got generational trauma down to his son. Sure, but, you know, sure. Uh, but he also has been a quote unquote vegetarian his entire existence. Oh, like as a baby vampire refused to drink any human blood, which is like, how would you even go about that as a baby? Like, well, like a young vampire. Oh, right. As a young, I don't, nah. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> as a young vampire. Of course he wouldn't be a baby because then he'd be a baby forever. <laughs> Oh, that ooh. baby vampire. <laughs> that That's a cartoon up. I want to watch. <laughs> baby vampire. Oh, my God. I would totally watch that show. Yeah. But like he's always kind of like had this moral compass, it seems like. And like he's actually like the way Edward respects him in the book doesn't make sense for how shitty a person Edward is. Yeah. And like I want to know. <laughs> He did grow up in the 1920s in Chicago, so like... Yeah, there's that. There's, you know, a foundational for uh, being a shitty guy. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, but like... But I mean, Carlisle grew up in the 1600s, and he's, he's... Seems fine. Seems pretty okay. He seems pretty well adjusted. I think all so. All things considered. All things... You know... Also, like, can we, uh, can we talk really quick about the trope of like, why are vampires always like disconnected from pop culture and they always seem like they they seem like ancient beings like you know who has more time than anybody to keep up on pop culture an ageless being that doesn't sleep yeah i feel like they would be like fucking fashion icons and right like because like, like there's one point where she's like oh 
when she confronts him about him being a vampire, he's like, oh, is that superhero stuff? Like, you don't know fucking superheroes? Bitch, you don't know Krypton and Superman? Fuck you. You, you were sh- alive when that stuff f- was first published and was, like, originally pop culture. See, Get fucked. I feel like Edward is, like, the perfect example of the, like moody artsy boy who thinks he's too good for everyone yeah and thinks he's too cool for pop culture because like even the whole like i listen to classical music and i don't like yeah he has all these racks and racks of music but he only he actually listens to classical music like Like, bitch if you're really into music i bet you there's a whole hip-hop section on that section how how do you live through the 80s and 90s and not like hip hop? All you listen to is, and all, like, all you listen to classical music, which was like kind of uncool, becoming uncool even when you were like a young person. Right. I think they say his favorite, he likes to, like that he was listening to like 50s pop. Which, okay. Which is like cool. I could get into that. I get that. that it was, it was popping. Sure. But yeah, it's. It's just weird. It just made me made me kind of crazy. It made me absolutely crazy. Oh, can we talk about the mom and her minor league baseball boyfriend? I love Renee. She's such a weirdo. See, because like... She's an awful mother. Yeah, I feel like this movie doesn't really comment on her as a mother. The book doesn't either, but she's like... And it feels like it. it kind of... Uh, agrees with what she's doing, leaving her child with her father so that she can go to fucking spring training or whatever. And it, it just feels like really irresponsible. And this movie like really lets her off the hook for it. Yeah. Like in a way that feels really bad. So from what I can tell, like, Bella's probably super independent because she's been having to take care of herself because her mom doesn't really know how to mom. Yeah, that's the vibe, I think. And like, because like we see it at Charlie's too, that she's like pretty independent. Yeah. And it definitely like, like in the book, one of her worries is that her mom won't remember to fill her gas tank. Jesus. Like, or, you know, like Renee is called like eccentric and airheaded a little bit cool you know like very flighty and i think you get the bella made this decision to but and like let her be martyr herself to like exiled and forks a place that her mom knows she hates right so because it's you're sad that you don't get to see your boyfriend for a few months yeah like yeah i have in my notes like it's your responsibility as the parent to make yourself uncomfortable in order for your child to succeed and like pulling your child out of school in the last semester of their, like the last quarter of the last semester of their junior year, that ain't it. That is not it. Like how could you possibly make such an irresponsible choice for your developing child in a time that's as tenuous and high stakes as high school and just for fucking your boyfriend. Like, that's crazy. It's really crazy. It's really stupid. And but it's, again, it's about like women who have to move at the beck and call of the men in their life because or, they don't have any real agency. Also, you can't be without your man because if you aren't with your man, you're nothing. You're nothing. Yeah. It's terrible. It's awful. 
Um, this is this is one of the this is maybe the most mad I've been at a at a movie that we have watched for this show, <laughs> except maybe European Vacation. I feel like it goes European Vacation than this. Yeah, it's pretty. It's yeah. This movie made me angry. This movie makes me so angry, and I'm so, so mad. mad about how much it did to me. Yeah, and how much I let it affect me. Okay, so All let's right. do a lightning round. <laughs> the very first thing, the very first note in my notes is uh charlie gets her a a purple bedspread even though he doesn't like know anything about her and he's like you like purple right and my my notes say misogyny is assuming all girls like purple (laughs) (laughs) purple that's what you ladies like right i i feel attacked by this statement shut up i like purple (laughs) uh (laughs) i think this movie is the reason why i like bad movies yeah, it's definitely a foundational bad movie because this is the exact kind of bad movie that I love. Yeah. Like when people say, when I tell people I like bad movies, it's always stuff like this where it's like good director, decent actors, like lots of money, well produced, terrible. Just terrible. Because of the fucking script. Like it's so terrible and because the acting is so hollow. Um <laughs> I just took a note. I want to know where they went backpacking because that's always the lie they always tell when they go hunting for the they go camping and and I'm like, yeah, I want to know where. Tell me. <laughs> tell me what's your spot. What's your spot? I want it now. This old truck that Charlie gives Bella, there's no way that thing gets like more than ten miles to the gallon. Not at all. And like, it's a pretty truck. It's a pretty. I mean, if it weren't rotted to hell, hell right? But like, it's you know. It's it will get you around if you're just driving forks, I guess. Yeah, I guess. So I know we've talked about this a little bit before, but like we have adults playing children, which is always yeah, awful. Always terrible. And like or, or at least troubling to the like self image of actual teenagers. Right, exactly. Edward's supposed to be seventeen, right? Like yeah. tiny childs. I love that we couldn't do anything about Rob's uh, five o'clock shadow through the entire movie. <laughs> yeah, right. Just like, like how many seventeen-year-olds do you know with that thick, dark five o'clock shadow? Right. I just glad we made him look twenty-five. Didn't yeah, make it creepier didn't even at all. Bother. We've talked before about how all transfer students need the guide that just like picks you up and explains the whole school to you. Of all of them, I want Anna Kendrick. To be my uh, transfer student guide. Yeah, she seems like she knows what's going on. Yeah, she seems great. She seems real peppy. Yeah, I love Anna Kendrick. She's great in she's, all kinds of oh, stuff. Oh, no, she's fantastic. I just think Jessica's very, would be a little bit much for me. Yeah, that's okay. I think uh, Angela would be my go-to, the one with glasses. Oh, yeah. That's, that's fair. <sighs> all right, so... I want to talk about the dialogue in this movie. Oh, God. Because it's so bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. And it makes me so happy. Um, And I love because you have to transfer a book to film. You have to lay out all of the exposition and all of the clues very, very clearly. Yeah. So, like, the constant, like, oh, my God, your hands are so cold. Or did your eyes change? I loved it. God. It was so bad. It's like a soap opera. It is. And you know I love soap operas. 
I love that overdramatic shit. But my absolute favorite scene in this movie is the one where she finally tells him that she knows who, like, the, like, tell me that you know I'm a vampire. Yeah. It is so it's bad. so bad. And it is gorgeously shot. It's but beautiful. the acting is so, so bad. It's so ludicrous. And it makes me really, really happy. Yeah, it made me really mad. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote, how could you possibly guess that all these insanely handsome and incredibly pale people might be vampires? Right. Who never show up when it's sunny outside. How has no one put this together already? Really? Y'all that fucking stupid. It's like how in zombie movies, they can never call them zombies because in zombie movies, they don't have zombie movies apparently. It's like people in vampire movies also don't have vampires. But they do have vampires because you have Because she knows. She Googles it. So what the fuck? How has no one done this math? Also, why are these rich, pretty people living in forks? Like, you haven't questioned that? Right. Like. Forks and nothing town? It is a street. That is it. It's a street. Um. It must have been so much fun to destroy that damn studio. Right? Uh, it looks like it was a real fun scene to shoot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh. <laughs> they go surfing at La Push. Yeah, they do. In this movie in March, March. or April. And yeah. I was like, y'all are going to die. It's freezing you want to go to the pacific peninsula you want to go swimming in the pacific ocean in In march it just snowed you are out of your fucking mind you do not have that good of a wetsuit yeah you need such a good wetsuit it's so cold i got hypothermia just from watching it yeah Plus, like, the beach is all, like, rock. It is not a good surfing beach. driftwood. It's not a great beach. It's None of those beaches are good beach beaches. No. They're stunning. Yeah, they're great hiking beaches. They're beautiful. I mean, if you don't mind getting rained on for six hours straight. But, yeah, they're not really great surfing beaches. The The Washington surfing is subpar. It's, it's not great. The... Carlisle Cullen, the actor, not in other movies, but in this specifically, he looks like undead Tom Cruise. He absolutely does look it's like weird. undead Tom Cruise. I legitimately, he looks, the first time I saw it, I was like, is that fucking Tom Cruise? He looks more like undead Tom Cruise than Tom Cruise does in uh, <laughs> Diary of a Vampire. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Interview with a vampire. That's it. Is that Tom Cruise? Yeah. And Brad Pitt. The last thing I have is, oh, two things. I also, like, speaking of um, Carlisle Cullen, the wigs in this movie are awful. ludicrous, especially the vampires, like Jasper and Alice. They have, like, terrible anime wigs. They don't even look like people hair. It's terrible. The wigs in this movie are atrocious. And... Yeah, it's so bad. And it, I, makes, it makes it so obvious that that's Kristen Stewart's real hair. Yep. And no one else is wearing their real hair because they bought all the wigs in a lot for like 20 <laughs> bucks. 
I also talking about Carlisle. I love that he wears a scarf while playing baseball. I like greatest. The, f- the whole vampire fashion thing, like when the one the like, Emmett, I think, like turns his base, his weird short like old timey baseball hat like sideways. I'm like, what are you? What are you, an Archie comics character? What is going on with all these fashion choices? I feel like vampires would be up to date right, with fashion. They have so much time to keep up to date. I don't understand. You watch so much Bravo TV, I bet, as a vampire. Right? How could you not? Especially this kind where, like, they don't just sleep during the day. They don't sleep at all. They're right. just, like, up all the time. Like, why would you not keep up on pop culture? Um, I've got my last one is, it really bothers me that Edward doesn't have a bed. Like, I know you don't sleep, <laughs> but, like, they're still useful pieces. Like, yeah. you don't want to ever lie down. He has, a, he has, like, a big couch. That's true. He has, like, one of those... Shays, you know, yeah, one side couch or whatever, uh, which I guess is something, but it's just like covered in books. Like you don't sit either; you don't get uncomfortable standing all the time. Weird, weird. I don't like it. I just my very last note on this is that throughout this whole movie, he just treats her like a child. Yes, and it's like, why is that cool or sexy? That like. To not only do we know that there's an incredible age gap, but then to constantly remind her and treat her in a way that reminds her that there's this incredible age gap just feels like really fucking gross and patronizing. I feel like it's a very common thing for older men to do when they date younger women. Yeah. I dated a lot of older men when I was in high school, uh, especially my senior year, because I turned 18 in the September of my senior year of sure. high school and thought I was cool as shit. Yeah. Uh, they're really attracted to the fact that you're a baby, which is disgusting. That's disgusting. And like, my ex did this too. They were so fascinated with the fact that I was younger than them, even though it was like two years. And it's just like, why? Why, why, is, why that is that it for, for you? you? Like, what is that my inexperience is attractive? Why is my inexperience attractive? Yeah, that actually feels really, really gross. It's so like, gross. Isn't it cool how easy to manipulate and lie to you are because you have so little life experience? To the point where, like, at the very end of this movie, when they're dancing at prom, he has her stand on his shoes like she's a toddler. Yeah. It's fucking... I, like, screamed at the TV. I was like, she's not five. No. She's 17. She's a grown teenager. Yeah. Yeah. And like to play it off as it's romantic because she's not because she's not coordinated enough to dance. And the whole clumsy thing. The too, whole clumsy thing pisses me the fuck off. Like first of all, it's such a lazy like character trait device that people use for women of like, oh look at me, I'm the quirky girl. I'm not a perfect porcelain doll all the time. I have like a human body that interacts with the world. Aren't I weird and strange and quirky? I feel like she tried to use it in the book as a like contrast of how graceful and put together the Collins are because she compares Alice's movements to dancing a lot. Yeah. But like even then like that's just lazy. Yeah. It's It's just really lazy lazy to have that be your character's like one trait. Yeah. Yeah. It's stupid. And the whole the fact that he uses it as another manipulation tactic is disgusting. It's bad. Like this whole fucking movie. 